Hello, this is Coalition Coordinator John Chafee, and you're listening to the 585 Prevention Podcast, brought to you by Partners for Prevention in Allegheny County. Today we have ACASA's Community Educator, Ann Weaver, to discuss the 10th Annual National Prevention Week. How are you doing, Ann? Great. So what do you want to tell us about National Prevention Week? Well, the reason Prevention Week started to begin with was because SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, found that nationally the percentage of alcohol use, cigarette use, and marijuana use increases between spring and summer for youth between like April and July. So they decided to get the word out there in May for schools to promote prevention efforts to really amp up this information and organizations as well. This year, the prevention challenge is to make videos, hashtag youth leadership prevention. Unfortunately, people had to have registered by April 22nd, but they want youth leaders to make videos and post them on their social media, and those videos will actually be considered for the 10th year anniversary big video that they're putting together at the end of Prevention Week. So that's kind of an exciting way to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Prevention Week. So each day has a wide range of topics, and the first day on Monday, May 10th, is focusing on preventing prescription drugs and opioid misuse. And in Allegheny County, we have the Take It to the Box locations. We really try to get out to the community. Safe use, safe storage, safe disposal. When it comes to safe use, the one thing that I try to tell people is take your medications as they are prescribed. Is there some people who will take their pills and also drink alcohol? And what could be the effect or what could be the dangers of doing that, I guess? The danger, first of all, the danger of an opioid alone could be overdose. But combining it with alcohol is even more dangerous because we know that alcohol is a depressant. So it puts the brain and spinal cord to sleep. And to combine it with a pill Definitely people have died from combining the two. And people have said to me, well, I don't drink while I take my pill, but that's not the point. If you are on a certain medications like opioids, you are not supposed to drink while you are on it. And of course, for prevention, we're mostly talking about youth, talking about they should not be drinking alcohol at all. So I'm glad you brought up young people. So one third of teens say that they believe it's okay to use prescription drugs that were not prescribed to them to deal with injury, illness, or physical pain. The one thing that I've heard from people and I've read is that you shouldn't be taking medications that are prescribed to other people because for one, your doctor or you, you have no idea with the medications you may already be taking, how they will interact by taking someone else's medication. Is there other messages that people should think about, especially young people, of why it's important not to take other people's medications? Well, it's also illegal. People don't realize that, but it is absolutely illegal to take someone else's medication that is not prescribed for you. Safe use. The other big thing is safe storage. So let me just throw some numbers out here at you about young people. 40% of teens who have misused or abused a prescription drug obtained it from their parents' medicine cabinet. Two-thirds of teens who misused pain relievers in the past year say they got them from family or friends. So what do we tell parents or adults, maybe grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, how do we, the whole safe storage? Because when they're in your home, you would consider that safe, they're in your home. But obviously from these numbers, we know that young people who abuse prescription pills, they get them from family members. So what can family members do to keep an eye on their prescription pills? Keep your meds locked up, keep an in. Keep an inventory of your pills. Know how many you have left. 
and make sure that you have the conversation with your son, your daughter, your grandchild about this is not candy because we need to remember too that most people who become addicted to heroin started out addicted to prescription pain pills first. We did safe use, we've done safe storage. The last one is safe disposal. And I know this started way before I became the coalition coordinator for PPAC, but there's actually two different opportunities for people in Allegheny County to clean out their medicine cabinets of unwanted or unused prescription pills. We have the pill drops that we do every year. We usually do one in the spring, which happens in April, which this April 24th, we just completed the spring pill drop, which is part of the DEA National Take Back Day. We almost had 200 pounds of medication that was brought in. And then we also have the take it to the box locations, which in Allegheny County, we actually have 10 of them. They're free to community members to year use all year long. And no questions asked, completely confidential. And those boxes are located at the Alfred Pharmacy, Alfred State Campus Police, the Allegheny County Sheriff's Office, Cuba Police Department, Fillmore Pharmacy, Friendship Pharmacy, the Nicholson Pharmacy in Belmont, uh, Jones Memorial Hospital, right in between the hospital and the emergency room. It's right by the bathrooms. They have a sign to show you where it is. And then also the Jones Memorial Medical Practice in Bolivar and the Wellsville PD. So we actually have 10 boxes. A couple years ago, I actually found a stat that at one point, Allegheny County had more pill drop boxes than all of New York City. I think anybody in prevention should take that as a really good thing that we are offering those to the community members. The sheriff's office actually empties out those boxes when they're full and they take them to an incinerating location up in Niagara Falls, which makes those medications inert, which means people can't use them and they're also not dangerous to our environment. And I know the pill drops started way back when by the DEC because they were finding medications in fish in our waterways when they were doing testing. So for anybody who is just throwing their pills in the garbage, we recommend you really don't do that. Take them to a location so they're, they're not harmful to our environment. Also, don't be holding on to medications. A pill drop a couple years ago, one of the medication bottles was from 1978. Wow, I didn't hear that, John. But again, it is a danger. Expired meds, they change. That's why there's a, an expiration date on them. So you don't want to have something around your house that you accidentally take that could harm you. And we hear from people all the time. Unfortunately, they had an older loved one pass away. They're taking care of their estate and they find all of these medications. So clean those out. Young people, I'm not saying that all young people misuse prescription pills, but we also don't want to give them the opportunity. Absolutely. The other thing I want to mention with this, because it goes right along, anybody who uses needles or sharps, you actually, Allegheny County is only one of two counties that offer a free way to dispose of them. You can actually go to any transfer station in Allegheny County. All they ask is that you put the needles or the sharps in a puncture-proof container with a, a secure lid, and you can actually drop them off there all year round. And then the Allegheny County, the transfer stations, actually take care of those needles and make sure they're they're disposed of properly. If you have needles, you're wondering about where to take care of them, transfer station all year long. And then if you're looking for more information on either one of those, if you go to ppacentral.org backslash take it to the box, you will find all of the information and mention an inventory sheet. There's actually one on the website people can download for free. So there's tons of stuff dealing with that. Anything else about prescription pills, opioid use? 
we just have to make sure again john that we have the conversation with our young people about why it's dangerous to take somebody else's meds it's not a joke you folks out there probably remember years ago hearing about those farming parties p-h-a-r-m where kids were showing up with pills and they were mixing them and just taking a handful and they were crushing and snorting them dangerous lethal we want to do whatever we can to prevent that from happening so tuesday may 11th is preventing underage drinking and alcohol misuse and what does the council do to get the information out there and to help so alcohol is not getting into the hands of our young people well the council is really dedicated to preventing underage drinking because the statistics have shown that people who start drinking before the age of 15 are four times more likely to develop a problem with alcohol than someone who waits until they're 21. And we know that this is partly because the brain keeps developing until age 25. And we know that the sooner you turn on the brain, the harder it is to turn it off. So we continually throughout the year have something called sticker shock, where we put a stop sign shaped sticker on multi-packs of alcohol to remind people that it's illegal to purchase or provide alcohol to minors. And on May 11th, we're going to go to Wellsville Giant and do our annual sticker shock there and we usually try to get kids involved. We're trying again this year. Unfortunately we couldn't have any sticker shocks last year, any local ones I should say, due to COVID but um, we really want to get the message out there and we did a few for April for Alcohol Awareness Month too but that's our big thing is sticker shock and honestly that's an environmental strategy that has been shown to work and just remind people stop stop do not provide or purchase alcohol to minors. The one thing I always bring up with you when we talk about alcohol and underage youth, what about the people who are going to say, drinking is a rite of passage, I did it when I was a teenager, I still go to work, nothing happens to me. Why is it so important for young people not to be drinking alcohol? Aside from the brain, John, we just have to remember, first of all, again, it is illegal. And second of all, many times alcohol leads to other drug use and alcohol alone is so dangerous to the developing teen brain and body and again we want to prevent addiction not promote it or fuel it so we want to stress positive alternatives healthy lifestyle just because alcohol is legal does not mean that it is safe and again it is not legal for anyone under the age of 21 and we know so much more about it now than we did back when I was a teenager I know I'm dating myself now all this research has been done that shows that alcohol is a poison and the body reacts as if it is and the last statistic from the CDC was that 261 people die each day from excessive alcohol use that is way too many people it should be zero it's very interesting that you brought up the word legal because on Wednesday May 12th the topic is preventing illicit drug use and marijuana use what would you like people know for one about illicit drug use and then we'll talk about what just happened on March 31st when it comes to marijuana well, with illicit drug use, we know that illicit means means illegal, and we just were recently talking about talking to some law enforcement about the, the methamphetamine busts and those kinds of things. So I think that public awareness is really out there when it comes to preventing that kind of thing. Cocaine, we know, is a stimulant. It can give you a heart attack. It's illegal. And I'm not saying that cocaine or meth is any worse or better than marijuana, but Anytime you're talking about illicit drugs, if the perception of harm goes down, the use rate tends to go up. And that's exactly what we want to try to avoid. 
and with what happened at the end of March with marijuana, we're very concerned that youth will look at this and say, oh, it's okay to smoke pot, do this, whatever. And again, we're talking about, and John, you're going to get into this, I know, 21 is going to be the legal age for the marijuana, but we already have a lot of youth saying, I already smoke pot, so now it's going to be legal for me. That is not true. So on March 31st, the governor signed into law the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, the MRTA, 21 and plus to consume cannabis. I think there's some misperception out there just having, being out in the community, even talking to my personal friends what that means. It does mean that cannabis right now to use it is legal, but there's other things that that, that the law is going to allow for one, uh, licensed growing, processing, and retail sales of cannabis in New York State. The problem with that is until they get the Office of Marijuana Management up and going, which is they're looking at least 18 months away, none of those practices yet are legal. The other thing that it puts into place is home grow. Adults can grow three mature plants and three immature plants. If you have two adults in a household, a married couple, you can have six mature plants, six immature plants. That is going to be legal once retail sales happen. So right now, it is still illegal to be growing marijuana at your personal residence. The thing that, um, the other thing that really interests me is it's legal to for adults to have three ounces of dried plant marijuana on them and. 24 grams of marijuana concentrate. Adult can have five pounds of dried marijuana in their house, but it has to be in a secure location. And we just talked about alcohol. There has to be a huge concern, and for people in prevention or people that work with young people, that if adults don't secure their alcohol, why do people think that marijuana is going to be any different, especially at a level of five pounds. Well, exactly, John, because we know that accessibility and availability of any drug increases the chance that it will be used. And it's going to be the same thing with the marijuana. And just because it's legal at state level does not mean that it's legal at federal level. And it's a schedule one drug for a reason. And earlier you heard me talk about meth and cocaine. Those drugs are not legal for a reason. I mean, they can kill you. There's things that it can do to the body and this and that. And a lot of times, marijuana alone is detrimental. But laced with other things can be deadly as well. And marijuana smoked on its own can also cause heart attacks and other things like that. And I know you're kind of going to get into the edibles, I think in a little bit. So a drug is a drug is a drug, and we need to remember that. You bring up edibles and the concentrates. Anything that we've read from Colorado or other states that have legal recreational marijuana for adults, that is kind of like the wild, wild west right now. Most people have to realize, especially adults, well, I smoked marijuana in the 70s. Okay, well, the marijuana potency back then, the THC in that marijuana, is about three times less than what you have with dried marijuana now. When you get into the concentrates, what is called dabs or shatter, any of those products, the edibles, the THC content is actually through the roof. There's a new product that is um, being sold in Colorado right now. It's called Diamonds. It's 98% THC. And it's sending not just youth, but as Ann was saying, 
adults who have smoked marijuana because the amount of THC is so high, it's sending them to the emergency room. Definitely a scary situation, especially when we think of our young people. What a lot of people don't realize with edibles, when you get into like gummy bears, if you look at the serving size that they have in some of the states with legalized recreational marijuana already, is that when you have a gummy bear, an edible, you don't eat the whole gummy bear. I saw a serving size in the directions. You eat an eighth of that gummy bear, wait 30 minutes, and then if you're not really feeling any effects, eat another eighth of the gummy bear and wait another 30 minutes. I don't know about other people, but me, when I get a bag of gummy bears, the serving size is the bag of gummy bears, not not an eighth of a gummy bear. It's going to be, to me, a scary situation with our young people. I'm hoping that it doesn't turn into a huge issue, but I know you have some some feedback. So. Well, and just to clarify that, everyone who's listening, John, when he's talking about eating his gummy bears, he's not talking about drug-infused gummy bears. He's talking about regular candy, which we know that it's on purpose that the edible gummy bears do look like candy. So, yes, I mean, there's a huge difference between smoking marijuana and ingesting it orally. Both are bad for you. Definitely the after effects, paranoia, those kinds of things. And we were talking like recently about, okay, people can smoke marijuana in public. What about the secondhand smoke? Because we already know that people can get contact highs. We also know that the secondhand smoke is not good for our lungs. So that's another issue right there. You are the best lead-in person I've ever had on this show. For one, you talked about secondhand smoke, and I wanted to talk about two things that municipalities and our local elected officials need to know about with the MRTA. One is town, cities, and villages have an option for a local opt-out, but what that opt-out means is you would not allow any um, retail locations in your municipality, but there's a time frame that they have to do that. You actually have to have a law in place by December 31st of 2021. After that date passes, you cannot then pass an opt-out law. So that's one thing. And then Ann brought up about secondhand smoke exposure. Marijuana was added to the Clean Indoor Air Act, which means you can't smoke in bars, restaurants, businesses. What it wasn't added to was local tobacco or smoke-free policies. So if you're a municipality and you have a park and a playground or ball fields, and you have a local smoke-free policy where people can't smoke or vape tobacco, you would actually have to amend your law to add marijuana to that. It's not automatically rolled in. And then also for places that have no policy at all, one of my coworkers from on the other side of the state on 420 in a smoke-free park had a 420 celebration where people were openly smoking joints, dabbing, using bongs, and this is a park that also has a playground in it where young people are trying to enjoy the outdoors. So it's definitely something to look at for our local elected officials and definitely have to consider, like I said, the local opt-out, if you're going to do that, has to be done by December 31st of 2021. Anything else, Anne, that you want to add about marijuana? Yes, what's interesting about the opt-out is that They only have that long to opt out, but they can opt in at any time. So there's definitely two sides to that, and they don't seem to be fair to me. 
we could sit here and talk about marijuana all absolutely. I, all day. Yeah, absolutely. Thursday, May thirteenth is preventing youth tobacco use, and just along with marijuana being legalized on March thirty first, on April 29th, the FDA has announced that they will start regulation procedures on banning menthol in cigarettes and flavors in all cigars. Why that's really important is if we're talking about adults and young people. I'll let Ann talk about the adults and helping them quit, but menthol is the number one flavor for all tobacco products for all ages, genders, and races. So no matter how old you are, if you're a man, woman, or how you identify, or what ethnic background you have, if you're a smoker, there's a good chance you use a menthol product or a vapor or a chewer. Any of those. Menthol's the number one flavor. In 2009, menthol was included in the Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act, which actually took flavors out of cigarettes. But because of some political dealings and lobbying, menthol was actually left in that policy. So if people don't really have an idea of what menthol means and why it's so important, menthol is a minty flavor. It masks the harshness of tobacco smoke. Most young people who start smoking use a flavored tobacco product. Menthol also makes it harder for adults who want to quit and stay quit, and Ann's going to talk about that for in a minute. But the FDA statistics show that 85% of all black smokers use menthol and 30% of white smokers use menthol. So, Ann, you help people try to quit smoking, and it's difficult to begin with. How does menthol make it worse? Well, because it is so addictive and appealing, definitely, like you said, John, it masks a lot of things, and people often don't realize that they are more addicted through the menthol product than they would be otherwise. Not that, you know, you can really measure that kind of thing, but just speaking to people, they will say, oh, yeah, I do use menthol. It's definitely hard to quit not just menthol, any type of tobacco product, but that doesn't mean it cannot be done. It's just so addictive, and we know that nicotine is as addictive to the brain as cocaine, heroin, all those other drugs. And many times using tobacco is a trigger for people who are trying to abstain from another drug. So that doesn't mean that people can't quit. It's just going to take some effort because, again, it's not about willpower. If it was, people could quit at any time. But it is about skill power and changing behaviors and doing things in place of the smoking, vaping, chewing, whatever type of tobacco product someone is using. In New York State, all flavors in e-cigarettes have been banned except tobacco flavor. New York State's ahead of the game on, on when it at least comes to vaping, trying to encourage young people not to start. For everybody out there who's like, it's one more thing you're taking away from us, banning menthol is not a new idea in this country or in other countries as Brazil, Canada, Turkey the European Union, the United Kingdom, and others have already banned menthol, and actually the state of Massachusetts has banned the sale of menthol tobacco products, and this past year, California and Hawaii both tried to ban menthol, but lobbying tactics from the tobacco industry actually got those overturned. It's not a new idea, so everybody out there who's like, one more thing they're trying to take away from us, it's, it's not that. Smoking still kills almost half a million people in the United States every year. If menthol is going to help people, young people not start and adults to quit, I'm all for it. Same here, because we realize that a small percentage of the smokers take up much of the costs for our health care 
and um, in the end, it is all about the money, not just on that end. I'm talking about the tobacco companies. You hear CEOs say all the time, well, I don't use, I'm not that stupid or whatever. If you're using tobacco out there, it should anger you that they're talking about us like that and that they're looking for replacement smokers. Yet again, I'll say it one more time, you're the best lead-in. So for Altria, who sells uh, Marlboro cigarettes, over 30% of their sales of cigarettes are menthol tobacco products. The other thing to talk about is how other populations have been targeted. I mean, in the early 90s, Newport actually had vans that would go into urban city areas and hand out cigarettes for free. Another topic that I could talk about personally forever, but we have one more day on May 14th, which is Friday. Uh, the focus is on preventing suicide, Ann, and I know you have some resources to share with everybody. Well, John and I are actually part of our local Allegheny County Suicide Prevention Coalition, which is headed up by Jose Soto of Ardent Solutions. And if you go to hashtag mental health for all, it talks a lot about resources on how to help people uh, prevent suicide. We know that from this isolation over the last year, it hasn't been good for our young people or anyone for that matter. And I remember last year at this time, I was on a webinar where the stats were for every 20% unemployment, 18,000 people were taking their lives. Now, that's for people in the workforce, obviously, but it doesn't matter. A life is a life is a life. And young people need to know that there are things to live for. And right now, there's the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, AFSP.org, is having a fundraiser awareness and they're calling it AFSP.org, WNY Pause, Pause for Prevention, because we know that pets are really good at helping us. They relieve stress, they, um, they make us feel good, all those things. So check that out because there's a photo contest and there are many free virtual events for May that you can also find on the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention website. Maybe that's why I want a turtle or a tortoise, Anne. Could be. Hey, even fish, whatever, whatever your thing is, if watching fish makes you feel peaceful, if walking your dog releases stress, that's wonderful. For people who can't be around people, a lot of times the pets will do it. And we're not saying that that's a quick fix or anything like that, but definitely people need to know that they're connected to something, someone, and that's, that's one way to go, one direction to go in. That's why my freshman roommate and I in college, we both had fish tanks on our desk because it's proven that watching fish swim in a tank is very relaxing. Almost like looking through you with this little separator we have here. It's like you're in my own little personal fish tank. Thanks, John. You're welcome. So for more information on National Prevention Week, you can go to samhsa.gov backslash prevention hyphen week. Ann and I, and uh, she mentioned Jose Soto for um, suicide prevention, will be putting blogs up every day on that week for information, resources for people to go. So that will be on ppaccentral.org backslash blog. They also go on our Family Matters PPAC page. Anything you want to close us out with, Ann? I just want to let people know that cessation services are available through the council. If you are interested, call 585-593-1920, extension 713. And if you're interested in joining the Allegheny Council Suicide Prevention Coalition, uh, just contact Jose Soto through Ardent Solutions. Well, everybody, 
We hope you have a happy and safe National Prevention Week. And remember, prevention, prevention works. works.